Today's episode was recorded in 2012 and I've held it back for so many years because I was aiming to tie it in with a Lancaster season, which I've kind of done because last week's episode was kind of a Lancaster special, but it wasn't quite what I had in mind, but I really didn't want to hold this one back for much longer because it's a great conversation. Everyone in this episode is no doubt a different person now. It's four years later. I mean, I know that I am, or at least I hope I am. I don't agree with everything that you'll hear me say in this episode, and I agreed even less with some of the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor. But there still is many things about this conversation and the interactions within it that I really, really enjoyed. I'm sure that my guests feel similarly complicated about this episode. Hopefully they'll feel similarly warm as well. Back when I was at high school... I couldn't afford a copy of One Forty Thousand, so what I did was I basically reverse engineered all the little references in White Dwarf magazine <laughs> to write my own version of One Forty Thousand. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better. Better acquainted with you. Today we're getting better acquainted with Richard. Hello, Richard. Hello. And um, there is also, full disclosure, somebody else in the room. Uh, Jen is in the room. That's my partner. You heard her saying hello at the same time as I was describing her. She's eating jelly babies. Good morning, mumble. And sitting on a <laughs> sitting on a bean bag. We're in Richard's. Flat, flat. I guess it's a flat. flat. It's, it's a yeah. nice flat, though. I, um, I think it's really nicely, nicely. Kind of, it has a really nice feel, and it's got uh, really good books and CD, DVDs all over it, which is excellent. Brush described it as an apartment, but I call it flat. <laughs> a flat, a flat <laughs> yeah, flats. That's what I'd call it. And we're in Lancaster, which is where you live, Richard. Is now, yeah. And yeah, how do you know me? Uh, creative writing at university, I think. Yeah, it was. We were in the same group in the first year. Mm-hmm. Not in the second year, was it? Uh, Don't think we were in the same after no, that, no. No, in the second year. Yeah, it was the third year. We were, were we in, in the, the same, same group again. In Paul yeah. Farley's yes. class? Yes. Ah, okay. Who did you have in the second? Am I allowed to talk? Yes. Who did you have in the second year? Be silent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the second year, I had Jane Steele again. Um... Was that an intake of breath? Yes, it was a little bit, and then I was like, oh, should I intake that breath? I don't know. <laughs> Breathe it out again, quickly. <laughs> there we are. That's fine now. Yeah, uh, yeah. first year we've both had Jane yeah. Steele, second year uh, Jane Steele again. Uh, and third year you came to Paul Farley, who was yes. the Whitbread Did... Poetry Award winner. Yes. I think I had him for two years. Did you? I what think, you? I think. Oh, I don't know, maybe no. I get confused about that too. Maybe I had Jane for two years, we're not sure. Uh, we were always yeah. talking about that. I'm vaguely remembering that possibly you were in Jane's other group in the uh, second year, maybe? Maybe. Maybe I was. <laughs> I had, a let's say, a uh, creative differences with Jane Steele. Oh, everybody did. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think everybody did, but I'm unfortunately not backwards about coming forwards, which I don't know if it was as... Um, I don't know if it was as productive for the group as a whole. Um it suited me but mm. I don't know if it was right for the group I know I got a lot of criticism because uh, well I was writing a 
fantasy novel about vampires and angels and stuff. Yeah, and she didn't like that. She didn't like it at all, did she? Well, no, no. All the other fantasy stuff I did. She didn't like anything. We were supposed to be able to write anything we liked, but she didn't like anything we mm. did. I mean, I remember the first lesson with Jane Steele. Do you remember um, Laura Bazell had written a poem about God? Uh, and I don't remember the specifics. Do you remember that? Mm. And she read out the poem about God and then uh, Jane was like, oh no, you can't write about God these days. No poet writes about God these days. You can't write about God these days. So I'm like, what? Right. Like, I'm not even, I don't even believe yeah. in God. And yeah, there I am, like, you can write about anything you like. Yeah. But yeah, we met in creative writing. <laughs> there we go. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not proving my uh, my earlier comment about I don't rant these days. Yeah, but then well, there's uh, you writing all your, your literary stuff, and there's me writing all my commercial stuff, and she didn't like either. Of them. Hey, I think <laughs> I try to write. So these days, I write a lot of science fiction uh, and <laughs> and fantasy and and and, uh, and horror. I always I always appreciated your you did your genre yeah. stuff. Um, I you know I had I had um, comments on it. As you, you know, you had from on my work, which is right. We were learning. We were children, like as we were saying off mic. We we're kind of children. Have you learned how to use your uh, spell check yet? Uh, 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 I'm the spell check. There she is, <laughs> sitting over there on the beanbag. Um, I've, I've got better at using a spell check, um, but I'm not very good at spelling still. Uh, or, or, or I recently did. I think. I think I need to relearn commas. I think I've forgotten them. Oh, commas are always interesting because. I've got a very definite way of using commas, as in, if in doubt, throw one in. And it's mm. usually right, but um, when I've been reading uh, you know, professionally published books, I'm thinking, hang on, should that col- comma be there? Or, uh, you know, the news website's admittedly there, fairly hastily written. Yeah. That comma th- that comma doesn't work, because that makes that subclause into something separate that means nothing. This unless is the curse of an English language degree. That's the thing, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's not so much creative writing, it's English language that's no. doing that. That's right, you two did uh, English yes. language. We did exactly the same course, didn't we? Yeah. And I did uh, theatre studies um, and creative writing, and that's how I was with you guys. So we must have all met on the same day. Pretty much, actually, yeah, of course. Because we were at the same creative writing seminar. It would be... Which is when me and Jen met, so yeah. In the year 2000, in October... October the... Th- Damn, I need to remember when my mum's birthday was to work out the actual date. <laughs> but it'd be, it would have been week one. It was my mum's birthday on the Wednesday of uh, Freshers' Week. So if my mum's birthday is the second, I apologise for this, mum. <laughs> if, if my mum's birthday on the second, that makes it the ninth minus two, about the seventh. If it was, was it Monday? It, it, was, it, it was a Monday yeah, because. It was at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, nine yeah. o'clock in the morning nine on a Monday. Yeah. I was reading a paper. <laughs> Jen was trying to be polite. The rest is history. I was probably looking at that going... Yeah, I was quite rude, you see. I, I was... Um, <laughs> Forward. Well, yeah. Well, I was militant about being myself because I had a hard time being myself at school and I wanted to yeah. set things right. I didn't want to be bullied again, so I went in a little bit on the offensive. I think everyone tries to reinvent themselves when they go to a new, uh, you know, sixth form or to yeah. uni or whatever. It was weird though because I wasn't even trying to reinvent myself. I was trying, trying to restate it. Yeah. I was like, I still want to be me, but I want to be militantly me. I want to. No one can stop me from being me. No one give a shit. shit. No one wanted to, mm. to to make me not me. No, it's uh, you know, certainly <laughs> not on the on the courses anyway. Because generally speaking, the same sort of 
attitude on the courses yeah. in halls or whatever. I mean, yeah, I halls know, were harder because yeah, we went to a collegiate university. Complete cross uh, cross section. It's not even like uh, you got some universities where I think Oxford, Oxbridge tend to do it, where you've got people in one college tend to be doing do the humanities or whatever. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Lancaster's just completely random. Mix and match. Yeah, isn't everyone it? applies for Pendle, gets Grisdale, and there's no real. Um, no real consistency. Yeah, well, I was in Furness. Yeah, you were wow. in Bowland, weren't you? Yeah. All places. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, no, it was it oh, was a weird mix. Finesse as well. Have they? Oh, oh yeah, God, yeah. sorry. That's still there. Uh, bits of finesse, anyway. They've uh, re- replaced it with things that look like Lego blocks. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I don't really have much <laughs> feeling about that. The geography of the place. I like the square. Mm. But, you know, it, yeah, it was weird the way that we were kind of mixed in with people who weren't like us, and then I guess most of us found friendship groups elsewhere from through our... Courses through courses or through society. Yeah, actually. like you had a lot of yeah. friends through um, at LERPS, I think it would have been. LERPS, but mostly, oh well, initially and Writers Guild. You set up the Writers Guild, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, it was one of the reasons I set it up. <laughs> to, yeah, to find friends, let's say. <laughs> find friends, yes. Yes, yeah. indeed. Maybe female ones. and Especially female ones. Yes. <laughs> it worked. Yes, it did. Fam- fam- famously for us. <laughs> Less famously for the audience, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and I, you were in my... Well, my, the first play I produced as well. You were... It's you really were, compelling. Yeah, you were in uh, Seeing Double. Yeah. Playing, uh, yeah, a guy that had to tie someone to a pool table and uh, threaten them with a... Yeah, pool cue. I'm convinced I was still rubbish. I'm still convinced I was rubbish. Well, I think it worked. I think it worked. It helped with the character, yeah. It, I think it worked. Uh, it was it was a complicated experience because you'd never acted before, Not I don't probably, think. No, the occasional school play about yeah. years and years earlier. And it was a very kind of... It was a very demanding thing we were doing because we were going to different bars mm. and so we had a, you had to rush off. Didn't you and Hannah get lost on the night, I think? Oh, uh, did we get lost? I think so. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe you, you steered, I think you steered them, her and you back to the right place that you, you worked out that you were lost in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah, I don't know, one of my biggest memories of the night is the, uh, the snow. The yeah, snow was snow. amazing. Yeah. The two of us with the shopping trolley coming out from behind George Fox building. That's right. And just crunching on the ground I know. in this newly laid snow, it was fantastic. It was amazing from the yeah. audience. The audience just turned and looked. It was they, amazing. Yeah. And the, the crunch of the snow and the two guys not looking round and didn't know what was coming and all the audience did. So I had that, that kind of really well, yeah. moment. Yeah, that was a moment of serendipity, I guess. That's the <laughs> word for it. And yeah, I mean, it was it, we we hung out a bit, I guess, because in Richard's kitchen and around Richard, Richard's yeah, kitchen um, yeah. back in those days. Yeah, after I got involved in Strangely Capelli stuff. Yeah, that's right. And... Uh, do you remember maybe you won't want to talk about this don't <laughs> do you remember the time when me you and Clive went out to the fields and ran around naked I wasn't naked you were naked no I wasn't right oh you just in your boxes I know I wasn't because the only time I was ever sorry mum the only time <laughs> <laughs> the only time I was ever anywhere near naked was uh, at I think it was your housewarming in the second year it's whoever it was that was living on Blade Street yeah, anyway yeah um, was it a spin the bottle? Uh, it was strip poker. Oh, that's right. I don't know why I thought it was. Uh, and then there was that's right. You were the first one who got naked, Jen. I remember you walking around in a blanket or something, and then uh, the guys eventually put in. Uh, yeah, you, Clive, Richard. Yeah. And was there anybody else who was naked? Um, Male wise. All of the women were naked, and there was only one person who had. Cl- only it was just Owen in boxers. It, so <laughs> yes. he was the, was the winner. The one winner. Yes. Everybody else got naked. I mean, it was clearly yeah. just a 
crux to all get naked. I mean, I don't know why why we did it. When you're absolutely hammered. Yeah, I guess. There was row after row of Smirnoff on the side uh, with all kinds of things licorice a, yeah. Aero, oh yeah we made Aero, that I remember, I remember them being really good Turkish Plus, Delight wasn't yes, work, good though uh, Turkish uh, yeah. Delight but Cherry Drops really was Cherry Drops was great really but don't put Turkish cherry, Delight in vodka and expect it to taste nice it doesn't well uh, it doesn't taste nice outside of vodka so why do it taste nice inside I don't know the, the flake one was okay but, but but that was it we put all different kinds of sweets in vodka mm. and Skittles. we'd left them oh, yeah we'd left them for a long time and then they all became basically Flavored vodkas, yeah, and uh, we, oh, we we also had the home home brew, I think, um, the whole the homemade wine, the homemade wine. We didn't have the um, the tablets put in the top of it to make so it, it stop, so it just kept on getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Oh and stronger. god! Now you mention it, I remember that. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, we made mead as well, I think. Yes, I remember that. Now, <laughs> yeah. Now you mention it, yeah. That explains a lot, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's uh, probably, I think, the first time I was properly drunk, drunk. So the first time Chuck took was the Grisdale Extrav at the end of the first year. Um, I remember throwing up into one of the bushes outside uh, outside the outside E block. Uh, it's one of my few memories of uh, Grisdale Extrav in the first year. <laughs> one of the others is that I think the attractive girl who worked behind the bar was hitting on me, and I just completely failed to notice. But um, she was off duty at the time as well. Uh, how did you? How do you know that she was hitting on you, but you found a sight? Sober hindsight. Oh right, that okay. moment where you go, oh, oh it's yeah. that that's an annoying thing. Yeah, it's yeah. happened to me occasionally. Um, yeah, I mean, so I mean, so you came to Lancaster University, mm. as did we. I mean, you didn't come as far as I did. Um, no. Jen came from York, so I guess she came similarly. Um, Where did you Darwin, come from? Darwin. Darwin. So it's only what, 30 miles? 30 so it's Lancashire miles. still. It's still within the same county. So you yeah. came from another rose, but he, he, he was in yeah. the same rose. So, I mean, and what's. The like, what, rose. What, was the, what was it like coming from Darwin to, to Lancaster? Was there much of a difference? I mean, yeah. culturally? In or? terms of culture, yeah. I mean, there was some in Lancaster. <laughs> um, I don't know. Darwin never really. Uh, I had friends. I uh, just never really got involved in the whole sort of friend thing. Yeah. Uh, I was just a very sort of private person back then. Um, a lot of reading. A lot of reading, a lot of, uh, well, not so much video games as I do now. God, it's an addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I need to cut down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Darwin, you know, when I was at uh, high school, didn't really enjoy it that much. A bit better at se- uh, sixth form. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it so much. I resat a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nothing at all to do with uh, writing a novel during my revision period. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that year sure. I started it anyway. The the angels one. Uh, oh yeah, I think I, I did start that at six form. I think it might have been during the revision period of the second year. I remember uh, that one. That had a good, really good premise. Mm, I, I, it still exists. Yeah. And I did try rewriting it for um, Nano Remo, uh, National Novel National Novel Writing Month, a couple of years back, and got about seventeen thousand words into it. So you know, and it's a lot better now than it was then. Very different, uh, a bit more grown up, basically. Because let's face it, that's that was a story that's the sole premise, or the initial premise rather, was just a weird idea I had about angels and vampires shooting each other in a shopping centre. 
Yeah, that's right. And that actually got into the final, uh, well, the finished draft of the first version, but it's not going to be in the uh, rewritten one. Why not? Well, for start, there's no vampires. Right, well, that, <laughs> that, that, that's I've a simplified it a bit. I mean, one of the criticisms that Jane Steele made of it that I actually sort of agree with in hindsight is that uh, there were too many factions, too too many mavericks was the phrase she used. Everyone was going off doing their own thing, and it was all... It was too complex for what was basically a fairly simple storyline. Yeah, I think that's a... It's a, a young thing is being afraid of simplicity, yeah. Yeah. I think. Like, for sure, all of my... like my, When I look back at my first couple of... Like my first novel, really, it's very complicated, isn't it? There's a lot of stories happening in the same one. Whereas my second novel that I wrote, which was a science fiction novel... Um, Nothing wrong with that. No, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah. I'm actually saying. I'm. I'm. I'm saying. Don't, don't think. Don't. I don't like. I'm the, proud of it. I don't like being described as a literary. <laughs> Sorry, I apologise. No, no, no. It's, really? it's fine. I called Jen that in a, in our conversation. I quite like English. Yeah, I, I I worry it will make you know people that us people that that don't like certain styles of writing will be scared away from me. Like, I don't like literary novels very often. But yeah. I do like well-written novels, yeah. uh, and that can be genre, that can be anything. Um, and I'm sure you're the same. I, know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure that you. I look at your your bookshelves. And I'm not a snob, am I? No, you're not a snob, <laughs> but you like uh, writing that is well written. Yeah, it's all well written commercial stuff up there. Yeah, right? that's Aside right. From the you know, uh, classics one, whatever. I'd say that it's yeah, well written genre stuff mm. is your is your kind of thing. So okay, so you were in. Darwin and oh, you came to Lancaster. Yeah. Um, I mean, Darwin, is Darwin a town? It's a town, yeah. It's uh, an old cotton town. Uh, Gandhi once visited uh, when he was on his tour of Britain. There's actually photographs of him there, I believe. But, yeah, cotton town. It's it's basically a commuter town for drug dealers from Blackburn. Cause the, uh, right. <laughs> apparently, that's how it was a couple of years ago, anyway. Right. Um it's described as being not having too bad a drugs problem because the drug dealers didn't want to sell on their own uh, on their own street. But uh, I've no idea really what it's like now. It's you know like Lancaster. It's gone through a lot of change in the last ten years. Yeah, which is very confusing when I was uh, driving the car at my grandma's funeral because I'm sure the traffic layout has changed and the leisure centre's not quite where it used to be and stuff like that. God, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not it's... a time you want to uh, <laughs> get lost. Well, to be fair, I was following the hearse. Okay. Uh, we just went straight through traffic lights. It's great. It's like, it's like some sort of unwritten exception. It, it, you know, if there's a hearse at the front, ignore the lights. Everyone will let you through. I think that's a fair, yeah. fair idea. Yeah. I just feel a bit awkward driving the car though, because everybody else was wearing driving black cars or dark blue cars or you know that sort of thing. You saw my red car outside, didn't you? <laughs> yes, that's right. But, yeah, a little self-conscious. Stood, there. stood out. Um, but uh, yeah, there's Darwin and then there's Blackburn. They've actually got. Uh, sort of unitary council, uh, Darwin with Blackburn, hmm. uh, Blackburn with Darwin rather, except uh, where I was born, and um, they've. It's always felt like, uh, like I said, I don't know what it's like now, but it always felt like, at the time like Darwin was just uh, sort of uh, yes, we're Blackburn Council. Oh yeah, and we cover Darwin as well. Um, yeah, kind of, yeah. It, it's an expansion pack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Low quality, not as good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, there's. You know, aside from obvious family, there was nothing really keeping me there, so that's one of the reasons I stuck around here after uni. The other reason was that I'd already got a house sorted and I failed to get onto my MA. Were you, what did you go for your MA with? Yeah, creative, creative writing. writing. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I know some people got onto it straight from the course, uh, yeah. list, for example, um, but I didn't. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I used to see Liz after after she'd finished. You know, I saw her quite regularly. She was a traffic warden at the time. She was. Yeah, I bumped into a couple of times uh, walking to work, stuff like that. Yeah. No, I I um I actually based a lot of the uh, uh, traffic warden elements in my uh, second novel, in my science fiction novel, on on, on stuff that she told me. I guess that I love that sentence. That's okay to say. I based a lot of the uh, traffic warden stuff in my second science fiction novel. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I mean, all these novels have not been published. I'm yeah. sounding like I'm some kind of so, my yeah. second novel and a second uh, novel. The, uh, I, I mean, believe it's your the, first uh, novel is the first one that gets published, isn't it? And then wow. everything after that is uh, is second and third. Yeah. It's like the first album that a band releases is everything they've done that's good up to that point in one kind of <laughs> bullet. Suppose, yeah. And then after that, it can get less good. They've got to do it quicker. And, yeah. Same with novelists. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. But. Um, okay, so and so you came to Lancaster, I guess, because it's some kind of it's far. It's not home, but it's somewhere familiar. Would that be That's right? That's part of it. Yeah, uh, part of it was that uh, my sister actually came here. Well, two years before I first applied, three years before I actually got in, and um, she was doing psychology. She did psychology, which I also did actually in the first year because I picked up at A level from basically her going, "Hey, it's awesome!" Mm-hmm. at uh, sixth form, but. Um, yeah, I've been up here a couple of times, really liked it. There's Wibbly Wobblies. She mentioned Lerps. Um, Wibbly Wobblies is a um, very good fast food place that had, what was it? Cheesy, cheesy Chips was great. Cheesy Chips. But and proper meat. Meat yeah. and the burgers, yeah. they were if you great. Ordered, if you ordered a steak burger, you actually get yeah, a, a chunk of beef. Chicken burger was a chunk of chicken, wasn't yeah, it, as well? Yeah, full chicken uh, yeah. or something, yeah. It's really good, and our friend Owen used to work in there yes, for a few years. Yes, he did, didn't years, he, yeah. yeah. Who was also in Seeing Double? Yep. Okay, all, all, he's the all. guy I tortured. That's right. He was the guy that you tied to a t- uh, to a pool table. I always felt very self conscious about the way I made him scream. Yeah, well, <laughs> very awkward. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you, and when you were at Lancaster, as we said, you set up the uh, the, the Writers Guild. Mm. Yeah. Is that still going? It is. It's now called the Lancaster University Writers Society. Uh-huh. They decided to make it less pretentious. Which well, is, like, uh, I thought the Writers Guild was more a kind of nod towards kind of Pratchett or science fiction. Um, to an extent, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it, it you was, all did science fiction, but it it was it was sort there of was a crossover, wasn't there? Deliberate ironic bit of pretentiousness, really. Okay. It was never intended to be sort of ah, we're like the uh, Writers Guild of America or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's always meant in a sort of slightly ironic way, and I think. Uh, well, by the time all the original generation moved on, I think they decided, uh, why are we called the Guild when no other society on campuses? So they changed it. And the other thing that you were involved in was LERPS, which mm. is... Lancaster University Roleplay Society. That's right, which is a form of LARP. Uh, not entirely. It okay. It includes LARP. It also includes more tabletop stuff. All right, so, okay. So, yeah. okay, good. So, the question is. on the show, already, we've had someone talking about LARP, uh, so you can listen to Zoe's uh, episode if you want to hear more Ash, about yeah, LARP. We will touch on a bit of LARP though. But okay, so l- what's LERPS then? What is it? LERPS. Um, it's basically the University Society um, that's got a very large, actually, ex student membership. Are you still in it now? I am still in it now, still active. Um, it, uh, it runs various uh, role playing events uh, for its members. Um, it's probably actually one of the more active sites on campus in that, which, I mean, we worked it out a while back, there was only one day of the week that didn't have LERPS events on, 
Monday, uh, alternate Mondays, you've got Vampires in Public, which is uh, World of Darkness with the uh, uh, serial numbers filed off. If you don't know what World of Darkness is, watch Underworld, because that was uh, legally defined as the uh, World of Darkness with the numbers filed off. Okay, so okay, so basically you all pretend to be vampires. They all pretend to be vampires, they don't play it anymore. Okay, you don't play it. <laughs> yeah, I they, used to. But, they yeah. pretend to be vampires in a pub or in a house? Uh, or? In uh, Usually on campus, uh, book out a room, and uh, or actually do free roaming stuff around campus. Okay, yeah. But it's, like I say, it's a couple of years since I've done it, so I can't really talk with any real authority. There's been a complete change in uh, management on that one. And there's like a person in charge with the rules and the plot and stuff uh, like that? Yes, the, uh, that's the sort of standard thing with... Uh, all role-playing, well, most role-playing games, really. You've got yeah. somebody who dictates the plot, who defines the plots and the setting and so on, and then lets the players loose in it, and then the players and sort of shape what happens. Do you get to invent your own characters, or do you get given characters uh, in that one? In in VIP, uh, people in, create their own, yeah. Okay. So, Mondays, alternate Mondays, you've got vampires. Yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays, you've got the regular LERPs meetings. Um, so that's where everyone gets together and argues about what you should be doing. Uh, not hugely and actually gets on, the I'm sure. annual general meetings oh, right. um, but, <laughs> uh, so that's just where you get together and catch up on what's going on to an extent initially and then there's um, you know from what 6 o'clock-ish till uh, 10 there's uh, tabletop role playing games uh, sort of Dungeons and Dragons style stuff uh, Warhammer uh, not strictly hey, Warhammer see, I, know, I know stuff about Warhammer yeah, well, yeah, I used to collect. I used to collect and paint. Oh, yeah, the figures. Oh, yeah. I, I used to play Blood Bowl a bit. Yeah, but uh, I could never do Warhammer. It's too complicated and confusing. Uh, I've sort of vaguely got back into Warhammer, um, but uh, yeah, I've still not got around to actually paint anything new since I uh, got the armies back out of the box from about five years ago. Uh, but um, so that's fantasy, and I guess is there science fiction as well? The Warhammer Forty Thousand stuff, yeah. yeah. I'm talking to Jen when I'm aside in there. She's, she's doing some smiling, but it's not coming across. <laughs> Nodding and smiling, yeah, specifically. That's right, but isn't, it doesn't. It, the girlfriend uh, approach to uh, role playing. Well. Although, to be fair, Lerps does have. Uh, a very, I'm, very, I'm sure a very active female element in it. Surprisingly so, yeah, yeah. in comparison to. Um, well, uh, on RPG Net, big role playing website, it's got forums. I don't know quite how regular it is today because again it's something I've not really gotten into for the last couple of years on RPG Net. Is people are surprised by how many girls there actually are in Lurps when we mention you know the makeup of a particular games role playing group. They say, "Hang on a second, you got three girls out of six players? Wow, that's awesome! Well, that's... I've never met three girls in my life." <laughs> uh, stuff well, that, like that. That's better than Parliament. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is something that gets labelled at the uh, at the LARPing and and the computer gaming communities mm. is is is. is um, sexism, I guess, is yeah. something that's uh, often le- leveled at you guys. I mean, what, what do you what do you think about that? I don't think it's really an issue in terms of lerps. Um, maybe it is in the wider role playing world, but again, not some, certainly not in the same way as um, you know online uh, video gaming. Do you do that? Uh, sort of. Uh, I'm currently waiting for my uh, subscription to Eve Online to die out, so basically I'm just going on it now to sort of get the skills training, right. real time skill training. So, um, but you do Skyrim and stuff like that. Uh, Skyrim, yeah, that's all. Uh, but that's in, stuff. That's offline, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, uh, World of Warcraft is the big online one. Isn't yeah, it? I played that for a while. Uh, I know about this because of the guild. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, got out of it. Got back into it. Got out of it again. Largely, it was just expensive. Yeah. Um, 
Because um, I think it's pretty intense on there, but that's because it's anonymous people, isn't it? That's the thing. That's the big thing about the internet. When people are anonymous, they turn into assholes. Yeah. Uh, they lose the whole sort of social block against it. And LARPs and, and LARPing um, mm. uh, both are social social groups. It is. It's a very social activity uh, when you're face-to-face. Um, well, I suppose online stuff is as well, but in a slightly different way. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's face-to-face social stuff, so... If anybody does have a horrible attitude, they tend not to last that long because it's the same way, way as anything else where you get a bunch of people sat in a pub once there's something evil about Jews and you think, okay, let's not invite you next week. Yeah. It's a sort of a... Yeah, it's a... Yeah, it... it what's the word? Attenuates towards um, towards sort of inclusive uh, society, really. So, okay, so you do, you do tabletop, you do vampires. What else do they do? You're very good at bringing this back to the point. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, what was that? So that's Salted Mondays, you've got Tuesdays, you've got Thursdays. On Wednesdays, Wednesdays is actually the day they don't do anything. Uh, Fridays is when they generally have the social, uh, when they have one. Um, it varies, you know, in um, prolificness. Generally, it'll be fancy desk, though, would it? Uh, not generally, but. Because um, I always get the feeling that you guys, yeah, like to dress <laughs> There's up. always a good excuse for fancy dress, though. It comes <laughs> a character bar crawl where you. Uh, Actually, goes one of the characters from one of your games, which is always fun. Uh, they've got a Halloween bar crawl, which is a classic. Not strictly just Lerps, although it does seem to be mostly these days. It used to be Pulsar, the um, science fiction society yeah. that ran it. I remember um, that. But uh, wasn't there a rivalry or something between Pulsar? Not so much a rivalry. There was a bit of an internal uh, internal angst in uh, in Pulsar mostly that uh, led a lot of the Lerpers to stop. Also, being not necessarily members of Pulsar, but getting quite as emotionally involved in it. Okay. Um, and some of the bar crawls stopped for a while. So, uh, Lerps basically picked up the Halloween bar crawl. Uh, you haven't looked back since. <laughs> well, you know, you've got a bunch of people who do fancy dress at the weekends for fun anyway. Uh, so, yeah, and it is, you know, you do see some of the best fancy dress costumes ever seen at the um, at the Halloween bar crawl it's thing, something that people prepare for months in advance it's fantastic and so I mean what what, what did you do this when you were at school uh, no not really so you uh, started at Lancaster Uni yeah well I um, I did uh, miniature war game and stuff uh, started at school through to sixth form and uh, that's why I joined uh, Lerps initially in the first year uh as with all the societies I joined in the first year, I forgot to go along to the um, week one. And then it always becomes a lot harder to watch. It's like watching TV shows. You think, oh, I missed the pilot episode. Oh, I'll try and watch it next week. No, I missed that one as well. Oh, episode three is a bit too late to start. No, I can't be bothered. But, uh, yeah, I went along to the annual general meeting in the first year at Lerps. And, uh, see, Saturdays are when Lerps do their... Um, Live action role play, the whole wearing chain mail and running around hitting yeah. each other with latex swords. I seen them in the. I remember seeing them Everybody in the woods. Seen them and this little, thinking yeah. that can't be easy when you go back to your <laughs> back to your dorm room or whatever. What did we call them? Our, our, our kitchen, your corridors. Kitchens, yeah, depending on and, the uh, place. Dressed like a like an elf, <laughs> and your 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 foot your football playing. Uh, person next door looks at you with like contempt or whatever it must be hard <laughs> yeah well I never really found out that bit to be honest yeah uh, well you started later didn't you I, essentially I started later yeah because the first year uh, AGM was uh, 
where one, one of the ones where they discussed splitting the society in half. One half for the live-action role players, who of course had higher insurance costs and so on, mm-hmm. and one half for the tabletop role players. And oh god, it was horrible. It's awful. All these people I didn't know were shouting at each other across the room. It's, so yeah, I didn't go back for uh, a year and a half. Yeah, because that, that's one thing that I find quite odd about the sub subsection mm. of uh, of anything of, of our society called uh. LARP is that I mean I I have, as you know I've got some friends who do it and uh, they're very nice people and I listen to what they do and I'm, I'm I can see why it's just a hobby like any I other I have nothing hobby. against LARP I've, I've got friends who are LARPers yeah well, well yeah but when I go to those friends uh, get togethers occasionally um, they talk I've about nothing else no I've heard them talk about what's better yeah. like Role play or LARP, like oh, looking yeah. down on uh, other people who also choose to do something very similar to you. I don't think <laughs> that's a good policy. Like if they, if everyone yeah. could get on, fine. But I, one time I remember somebody um, taking me through an, a, an advanced hierarchy of different kind of fantasy gamers, oh, and God. I was like, "What's this about?" Like I can. <laughs> You don't get this in like I don't know, you probably you get this in everywhere. From the outside, I, I'd it like the same, doesn't it? I'd like to think that you wouldn't get it in this group. I just I, 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 I had higher hopes for you guys than that. that to be honest, it's not really much of an issue these days. Yeah. Uh, it was just a thing of its time because I, I don't think at the time there was much of an overlap. Nowadays there's a lot more of an overlap from what I gather. Uh, I, mean, I don't do the LARP side of it. Well so we're much. living in a much more fragmented um culture in a way that everybody has a mixed bag in their iTunes do you know what I mean like everybody has different music and everyone has different films and it's okay to like Nowadays, it's okay for everybody to watch Game of Thrones. Well, yeah. uh, what the yeah, hell happened it's there? Sophisticated fantasy. I remember when yeah. I'd have been like, I, I would have definitely liked Game of Thrones. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, criminal. It. My my fifteen year old self would be disgusted with me. But yeah. um, but I mean, I can't believe how how everyone's allowed to like fantasy somehow. And I used to get right grief for that. Like, now everyone's allowed to even read the books. Yes. Yeah, so, What's happened? Well, Harry Potter. Yeah, I think that's been a big key factor. Yeah, because, yeah, uh, and the Lord of the Rings films. That as well. The yeah. films did it. Suddenly, yeah. everyone was allowed to read this book that I loved when I was growing <laughs> up, and nobody else did back in the day. Yeah. But yeah, Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings films. That's probably what's uh, made fantasy mainstream. That, and to an extent, Buffy. Yeah, well, good. Yeah, I like Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like. When did you get into fantasy and science fiction? I mean, were you a child or...? Well, the thing is, the very first story I ever wrote was when I was six, and it was about... Well, it was originally intended to be the same dragon on every page, but because it was a comic strip and I'm not very good at drawing dragons, each dragon turned out completely different until I figured, oh, sod it, they're all going to be different. Uh, So it was literally different dragons. When I coloured them in, they are all different colours. But, yeah, it was... uh, it was a story about a princess being kidnapped by dragons and all these knights were chasing after her and shouting such things as, oh no, oh dear, oh, I've got to catch her, or whatever. Because, uh, I was, like I said, I was six, um, and it probably says something about the way my writing's gone since then, that because I didn't have enough pages, because I started out by stapling the pages together mm-hmm. and then d- drawing the story on it, on the final page, I hadn't actually come up with a conclusion, so I just had the dragon set the princess on fire and kill her. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. The, the, I, I'm not overly keen on the idea of everybody living happily ever after. <laughs> it always seems unrealistic. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm all for realistic fantasy, yeah. and I'm glad that you were starting at a young age. <laughs> um, see, yeah. I mean, the more realistic the fantasy, the better, I think. Mm. Um, what do you think? Yeah, it's one of the reasons why, for example, Game of Thrones, the TV series, and the books, I suppose, as well, has done so well. Because um, it's still got some sort of fantasy elements to it. To be honest, I don't like some of the helmets that some of the fantasy soldiers have. On the other hand, the effort they've put into Game of Thrones, and similar to Lord of the Rings, the amount of Saxon stuff they put into, say, the Rohirrim, uh, in yeah, Lord of the Rings... It's it's when they put effort in. It's when they try and make it look not necessarily historical, but historically believable. Um, that it makes fantasy good. Otherwise, you've got that chainmail bikinis. Yeah, which is ridiculous. Which is ridiculous. It's very much a very sort of. It's a specific subgenre, really. Sort of ignore all the. Uh, it, well, practically, it's ridiculous because you know it defends this bit, this bit, and this bit, and nothing else. Well, I think a chainmail bikini is really, you know, a, a man living out their fantasies in public. I'm not against it. I'm all for it. Anyone can do what they like behind closed doors. No, they can. Why they don't push it down my throat? When they write it, <laughs> yeah. I don't relate to it. When yeah. they make a film of it, I don't relate to it. Unless it says something about my life, like I I got into fantasy because it said stuff about my life, mm. and where I fear that fantasy goes wrong is when it starts being about fantasy rather than being yeah. about life. There's one thing about you know it's one thing to be escapist, but it's another thing to completely escape. Yeah, you can't yeah. you can't let it achieve escape velocity. It's still got to keep orbiting around the real world. Yeah, that's true. Exactly yeah, right. That's really nice. Yeah, that is really nice. <laughs> yeah, I should copy that. Huh? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's, it's there. You, it's recorded now. You Excellent. Can, you can just listen back. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with fantasy and science fiction and horror, all of these things. I think they allow us to look deeper at reality because, because it ignores some of reality because yeah. everything in reality is too much. You actually need to focus in and if you highlight some things and exaggerate some things, that can be really good. Yeah, like... Well, the novel I'm writing at the moment, it's um, it's set in roughly the First World War era, except in a fantasy world. Uh, so it's basically it's the first 30 years of the 20th century is the sort of time period for it. So it's a little bit... Um, Not so quite alternate history. OK, I was going to say cyberpunk. Um Dieselpunk. Oh, Dieselpunk. That, nice. That, that, yeah. That's Some what you should call it. Steampunk, but uh, steampunk. It's beyond steam. It's diesel. Steampunk was the word I was going for, mm. but dieselpunk is uh, is is what you should go for when you pitch it to people. Well, that's that's well, dieselpunk. Nice. Yeah. Uh, not sure if there's any other ones they've come up with yet. Industrial punks and like that. But that feels a bit later. Yeah, because one my favourite thing you wrote when we were at university was that kind of. Um, First World War y. Was it zombies? Oh, the Dead Boys. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Um, it was very definitely set in the future and stuff, but, but in was... stylings, it was probably more sort of Second World War yeah. kind of yeah. uh, military tactics and so on. Not that I really researched it or anything. It was great. Yeah. It was really nice. That was like, yeah, that was the thing I liked the most out of the stuff that you submitted. Thanks, yeah. I, I did actually reread it a bit back, and then I read the, you know, quite enjoyed the first story I did actually start writing a sequel to it as well um, but then I stopped uh, because I realised that uh, one of the things about writing humorous science fiction stuff is that it's got to have humour in it and the sequel just didn't 
completely somehow managed to be devoid of any jokes. Fair enough. The other thing that you write is kind of rules, I guess. Oh, like you write, yeah. you write, um, you write games, role playing stuff, role playing yeah. games. Yeah. When did you, you start that when you were at uni still, or, or did you? I've always done it to an extent because uh, back when I was at high school, I couldn't afford a copy of One Forty Thousand. So what I did was I basically reverse engineered all the little references in White Dwarf magazine <laughs> to write my own version of One Forty Thousand, and uh, it worked in a very simplistic way. Yeah, so I essentially wrote my own uh, War and 40,000 and I did the same with Man of War, the, um, the sort of sailing ships game they did. In yeah, the I remember that coming out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I didn't have any of the models. Uh, didn't have the rules. However, I did have, um, I think it was Hasbro or something like that, released a game called Escape from Atlantis. Okay. With all little uh, boats that you sort of escape from the just the disappearing island of Atlantis with so I used all the pieces for that instead and uh, that worked as well to an extent but yeah since since I got into role playing in fact the first role playing game I ever ran was one I'd, writ- one I'd written the rules for myself uh, basically combining the Warhammer fantasy role play uh, which is like the Warhammer wargaming uh, thing but more geared towards playing individual characters rather than vast armies okay uh, the difference between wargaming and uh, role-playing, really. And um, combine that with the Warhammer 40,000 skirmish games rules to make a Warhammer 40,000 role-playing game. And uh, it worked, again, to an extent. Uh, first play test went abysmally when somebody... When two men, point-blank range for one another, shooting the hell out of each other, hitting each other, and both of them still alive after about six gunshot wounds at point-blank range... And, um, was that because you'd made the rules wrong? I made the rules wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The um, one of the games I've been using Inquisitor is very much sort of heroic, high level, you know, sort of uh, heroes fighting each other. Right. Whereas what I was going for was more along the lines of you know gritty Saving Private Ryan style um, action sequences. Right. So yeah, that didn't work. But you know, rewriting and stuff like that, it seemed to get to somewhere decent. And in fact, when I released it as uh, Imperium. It actually got its own fan site on the internet. I see. That makes sense. I've seen you. I've seen Imperium. You're talking about Imperium on Facebook. It looks pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Maybe you have. It, I probably mentioned it, uh, but it's way gone in the past. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. But yeah, I probably mentioned it a couple of times. You've talked about it as it a kind of yeah Early a project. thing that you've done in the past. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it's got its own fan site. It did have its own fan site. Right. I have no idea if it still does, but um, you don't Google yourself regularly. Uh, no, I still get updates from the Yahoo Facebook group. Okay. Um, however, usually it's uh, people selling me ways of uh, increasing my size or uh, yes. meeting new women or something like that or yeah. uh, making money from uh, doing nothing. So you know that that probably means there's nobody it's there. It's a dead site. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's still out there on Yahoo groups, if Yahoo groups it really still exists. And I mean, so you run a few games now. You're like uh, the yeah, game, the uh, games master, that dungeon master. Uh, dungeon master is strictly you know Dungeons and Dragons D- only thing. I suspected. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually thought that was what you were going to say. It, uh, it's, it's basically but, their own term for it. Different. Some games have their own term for it. Um, yeah, dungeon master. I never played Dungeons and Dragons, but I. It's like all of these things. Like, it's very generic fantasy. I'm on the edge of that, so I hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I've, uh, I've run games, not so many these days, because, um, well, what with my job and working shifts, 
I can't commit to the sort of term long ten week campaigns that I used to do all the time at Lerps. Yeah. And I've tried well I have run a couple of uh sort of Friday evenings or whatever outside of Lerps games and um they've gone well actually, uh, the ones that have actually run. But then I've had a couple of others that just sort of stumbled, stumbled, stumbled stammered to a uh, halt, um, largely due to players having, uh, you know, scheduling issues or mm-hmm. exams or whatever. But yeah, still wrapping on stuff. In fact, that's that one is one there. there. Um, smog and mirrors. Smog and mirrors. It's the um, it's the one that's sort of same setting as the uh, novel I'm writing actually. Okay. Uh, started out essentially after Imperium was finished, or mostly finished. It never actually quite got completed, but it was good enough to run. Um, I figured, right, that was good. Uh, people like that as well. You know, I've got you know people sort of saying, "Wow, how does this rule work? This is incredible. This is awesome. I love this." Um, aside from the slight error in uh, multiplication, where uh, hand grenades could be thrown about as far from me to Jen. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't. That's quite. not very far. It, just for no, the, I think I divided around. instead of multiplying, which suggests how complicated the system was. <laughs> uh, but that's the side I can't get behind <laughs> in gaming and games and stuff. Complexity rules. I like complexity of plot. Yeah, but I can't get into complexity of rules. No. I, it's just because I can't work it out. I'm just not mathematically inclined or anything. Well, that, that's the thing. I'm right there with you on that. I don't like overly complex mathematics and stuff in uh, in games. Anything that slows down the flow of the game, it slows down the flow. Of the and game. it alienates some people. There's that as well, I suppose. Yeah. But then uh, again, you know, there needs to be things for people who like maths too. I mean, I'm not, not, yeah, it's not saying they can... <laughs> Okay. But yeah, you've got other games uh, that really just don't have huge amounts of maths in them. But yeah, Imperium did. Imperium was, like I say, fairly complex. Uh, lots of numbers and stuff. It wasn't the worst I've seen, but it's not one that I'd write today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Smog and Mirrors is... It started out as being virtually the same system, but because Imperium was based on not only uh, you know, Games Workshop's intellectual property, but also two of their sets of rules, there was no way I'd ever be able to you know, make any money out of it, essentially. Yeah. So... Uh, I started writing my own game. To begin with, it was very similar. Nowadays, it's completely different. Um, you know, I've gone through about what, God knows how many drafts of it, how many different rewrites of the rules. Uh, it's something a bit more proprietary. The game, the game system itself has come along pretty well. It's nearly finished, but I've been saying that for five years. <laughs> Seriously, I started writing this in about 2004, 2005. See, it's taking him five, five years to write a game. Yeah. Shouldn't feel so bad about three years to write a novel. Four. 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 Okay, four. <laughs> Um, and it was basically just going to be the role-playing game, and then I wrote a few little short story, sudden fictions more, really, for um, theoretically for the introducing chapters, and um, took them along to the Writers Guild, and they said, oh, you shouldn't waste this on a role-playing game. Flinch, flinch, wince, wince, what do you mean, waste? But, you know, I'll take your point on board, and I eventually started writing a novel, and... Uh, I've been working on that on and off, uh, interspersed with other projects, largely the role-playing game and yeah. retrying the Angels story and stuff like that. Uh, ever since, and uh, it's not the novel's not ne- nearly finished, but it's getting there. It's it's got more of a shape. It's within reach of finally, you know, getting a finished first draft, and um, hopefully by the end of the year. 
So if I asked you, do you have anything to plug? Would you say would you, would this be what you would would respond with the uh, game? Probably, actually, yeah. Uh, Smog and Mirrors. If you ever hear about it, it's awesome. It's brilliant. Well, it, I mean, this might come out in a few months, uh, so maybe it'll be out by then. You never know. Uh, it might be, or it might be out in five years. Certainly, if it's out from, before from, the, from track record. <laughs> If it comes out before um, the end of the millennium, well, before this goes out, let me know and I'll link to it and uh, it put won't. a thing at the end. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Oh, I, I know how productive I can be and how unproductive. It'll be a while. Uh, there's still various things with play tests to do on the game, and the novel as well needs uh, actually finishing and redrafting and finding an agent and getting. Oh, you never know. Though this might be five years before it comes out, and uh, and <laughs> that's true. So, I mean, the, the the question that people who listen to the show regularly will be surprised they didn't ask is, what do you do now? Um, I mean, we're not going to really talk about what you do now. You work for the council, yeah? Uh, yeah, local government. Local government. But we're not going to go into it. But you've been doing that for a while and you've lived in Lancaster since yeah. you finished uni. Yeah. So, I mean... I mean... That's what seven? No, longer than that. It'll be nine, nine years. Nine? That long? Oh, well, sure. we've been no, se- we've been away from been... Lancaster for oh, seven yeah. years, oh, so really? it'll be nine years because we were here. Two thousand three generation. Uh, it's now two thousand twelve. So nine yeah, years. nine years uh, since finished uni. Let the record show this I summer. was correct. Um, yeah, nine years. Oh, well, that's another glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> so you've stayed in you've stayed in town for nine years. Yeah. In the, in the place that you went to university. Yeah. What's that like? Because, I mean, when we came, we were like, whoa. <laughs> we're feeling, like, big nostalgia and complicated feelings about it, weren't we? And we, mm. we were wondering what what it would be like to live in that nostalgia, you know? Because it's... Yeah. Comfortable. Okay. It eventually becomes normal. But uh, I think part of it is that I've never been that big on uh, on the idea of, you know... Going away to uni was a big thing. Part of the thing that I didn't really like about it was the idea that I'd be going to a completely new place hmm. so I think there is an element of uh, you know if I move to Manchester tomorrow to you know get a high paid job or whatever would I actually enjoy it there that's the thing about Lancaster it's not just the it's well the place is it's a nice town it's got its flaws hell in my job I come across a lot of the flaws um, but it's also a decent town in and of itself it's a uh, nice place to live and then you've got all my friends are here. Um, most of my friends are here. You know, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the majority of my friends live in Lancaster. I hang out with them still. It's There's there's that personal incentive not to move. Um, you can walk through Lancaster from one side to the other yeah. very easily. That, that There are lots of things that are very good about this place. Yeah, yeah. it's a nicely compact place. Mm. I think it's, there's not much going on, I think, but no. there that's a benefit as much as there's it's a disadvantage. Enough going on, mostly. Yeah. Uh, there's more going on than some places. For someone leaving university to get a job in Lancaster, yeah. that's actually a graduate job. Oh sure. Uh, I mean, most of my friends who are still here, are um, you know they've gone through periods of unemployment. I mean, I was unemployed for a year after I graduated, uh, which really annoyed my landlord, who thought she'd be getting a master's student. Um, <laughs> Yeah, she didn't want us the year after that. <laughs> um, the uh, you know, yeah, various bits of unemployment, agency work, basically, yeah, some people do minimum wage, working in Sainsbury's, or uh, just general, general stuff that you wouldn't really need a degree to get. No, um, you're right. 
But on the other hand, uh, you know, most most of our generation at least sort of settled into a sort of cosy lifestyle. They've managed to get by enough to you know buy houses here, and uh, oh, some are still renting, but yeah, it's diminishing number. <laughs> Yeah, well, they're doing all right if they can buy yeah, a house. Well, we can't diff- buy a house. Well, well, no, you live in London. Yeah, it's very, it's very. That's true. true. We it's lived in a house here. In we we rented a house here, though. We didn't. Li- we didn't own. Well, it, yeah, really. but we were only twenty-three. Okay. And that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. The last house I was renting, I was paying something like four hundred fifty a month for it. But it was four hundred fifty a month. Uh, this place, I'm. Uh, Paying mortgage repayments of four hundred ninety-six a month, roughly. So it's only slightly more. This is why we shouldn't buy in London if we buy. London, yeah, but that's he's paying like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that a weekly rent in London? Uh, that's <laughs> no. I mean, well, we're in a very lucky situation now, and we pay more than you in rent. Yeah. Um, but we've lived in flats and paid. A lot more than you know. When I first moved to in London, we, when we left Lancaster, we had a two-bedroomed terraced house. Mm. Yeah, moved, house. The first flat we got in London was a two-bedroomed flat, and it was almost well, it was almost exactly double rent, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was massively under the market value. So as soon so as, as our landlord realized, worked out what was going on, he upped it. Yeah. And, and then we, we had to leave. And then we, le- well, then we went to a one-bedroom flat. Oh. I mean, I was playing... In the one-bedroom flat, we were writing in the same room, weren't we? I mean, I'm not trying to say we were, like, <laughs> disadvantaged. I mean, we... we uh, you know, we chose... It was awful. Some, we were living there, our disadvantaged bo- bohemian lifestyle. There was some good things... wine all day, one good, room. There's some good things about that flat. It had a lot of um, structural problems. There was a lot... Of, we had a rat, yeah. no, no, mouse infect, infestation, and the toilet stopped working one time when we had, like... A whole house full oh, of people. That was horrific. Oh, that's lovely. The the, oh yeah, upstairs toilet flooded through the roof. Oh, um, there was there was. This is one thing I love about actually having a modern oh, flat. Yeah, this yeah. Is a modern building, so I don't have that problem. That's really true. I mean, some of the taps don't work, but I've got to fix those myself. But I mean, that that's just something that can happen in yeah. renting, and I don't necessarily think that that's an uncommon well, experience. A lot of the houses around here are um, well. Lancaster's full of um, early 20th oh, century terraces. We lived in a house in Lancaster yeah. where we lived in a room that had such bad damp that Jen pretty much had a chest infection oh. for like a year. It was horrific. But when we were looking around for uh, houses uh, a couple of years back, uh, me, Kate, uh, her boyfriend at the time, Tom, three of us were looking for a house together and uh, there were several houses we just looked at and went, no, actually four of us looked for a house at that point, um, we just went, no. Can't have that house. I said, what? Why? It looks great. It's awesome. Look at it. It's fantastic. Asthma. Oh right. <laughs> yeah. It's just there's yeah. so much damp and stuff. Yeah. Like so that. I mean, renting's bad, but I mean, in that one bedroom place, that was what seven fifty a month. And that was like re- that's really cheap for London, I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, we've always lived places that other people who live in London say, "God, how are you managing?" How are you managing to pay that rent? Yeah. Well, the answer is we're prepared to put up with mice and. Uh, and and that sort of uh, an environment. Yeah, animal lovers. Well, no, I mean it's just we've we've always been prepared to yeah to have Make less do. yeah and have have more life experience. The more quality of life. was um, was working more so yeah. Well, yeah experience also known as 
suffering. <laughs> well, I don't think we have been suffering artists. No. It's a funny thing. Like I know, I know, I know what you mean. And if I'd have met me in the first year of university, I'd think, oh god, he's going to be a suffering artist all his life. But I think I've suffered less by allowing myself to be an artist more. Like the times I've suffered the most have been when I've been working full time mm-hmm. and not having any time to live. Like, I think it's not suffering to be an artist. I think that artists do go around and it's say it's suffering, or fine, maybe some of them have got psychological problems or emotional problems, or maybe... Or funding problems. Or maybe when you look at the world, the only logical thing, it, thing is to say it's rubbish to mm-hmm. be alive. Fine, if that's their feeling, then that's fine. But, but to say you're suffering and, and being an artist, uh, often I find that to be a, a false statement. Yeah, it's, um, uh... You're choosing to have more time so enjoy that time mm. but that's something I've only learned as I've got older I guess one of the regrets I've got about having a full time job these days uh, you know, not that I don't enjoy having the full time job's income indeed is uh, I've got so little time to actually I say I've got so little time to do anything else but I've actually got quite a lot of extra time because what with working nights it means I've got afternoons free to myself and stuff like that but uh, I procrastinate a lot yeah. That was always a problem actually at university I'd do the same thing then uh, that's one of the reasons why I only got a 2-2 Procrastination is is a I don't know if it's our enemy I think it needs to be lessened it sure. needs to be controlled it needs to be yeah, controlled but, but it's also yes. it's part of the process too <laughs> I mean we, we, we talk about this quite a lot that procrastination is actually a bit of a part of the process I've only really realised that this, this last year or so but I think it is important yeah I mean, and, and and also having years of finding out who you are is kind of important, I think, mm. to becoming a mature writer rather than a, a young upstarts like we all once were. Becoming a grown-up, let's face it. Yeah, becoming a grown-up. You need to be a grown-up. a grown-up to write. doesn't matter how old you are, you just need to be grown-up. <laughs> yeah, well, you need to understand that there's more in the world than you, mm. but also understand that you're worth writing about, weirdly. Those two things... Well, I was thinking I back think. to the kind of things that got submitted for creative writing uh, things, creative writing seminars. They'd fall into, say, about that. No, I'm picking a number here before I actually think of what it means. Three categories, where you've got the stuff like the stuff I produced, which was science fictiony stuff that wasn't necessarily much good. Then you've got the people who write about people sat in kitchens smoking a cigarette. And mm. then you've got the poets who write about stuff that I don't know what they're writing about. Yeah. That, that was probably the problem I had in the third year. I mean, Paul Farley, fantastic, uh, you know, fantastic guy. He's a nice, poet. Really nice but, guy. And kudos to you for actually realising and acknowledging that you didn't fully understand uh, prose, um, yeah. you know, which actually probably helped because uh, he, you because know, he acknowledged it, he took in everyone else's opinions. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that Paul Farley is a good or a bad. Uh, Tutor, I, 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 I found him really great, and uh, I'd Same love here. to get him on the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I and he was a good tutor. He's I, one, of yeah, favorites, one of my favourites. One of my favourites too. <laughs> one of my favourites too, and I'd love to get him on the show. And I, I, I do keep sending him emails, but I probably won't anymore because there's a certain point where you get proud. But um, and where you get restrained orders. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I, I would say that that he acknowledged something that I think all. R- true writers have to acknowledge and he is a good writer mm. um, so that's why he does so which is you don't know anything none of us know anything we yeah. can't really say 
uh, what's good or bad. There are exceptions to every rule. There are some people who will like every kind of writing. And actually, all we can do is try and make sense of the chaos of, 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 of life. And we find our own structures that make it work for us. And so um, there are loads of books on your bookshelves that Jane Steele would have rejected. Um, Most of the books on my bookshelf, Jane Steele would have rejected. And they've all sold to people. So if selling is a, is a criteria, then they're all successful. Mm. If enjoyment is... A, is a criteria well you've enjoyed all of those books in your bookshelf that's why they're on your bookshelf and so they've also succeeded in that I mean you're reading that book at the moment that you're hating what's it called? Um, one day it's like a they made it into (laughs) whispering still it's bloody awful (laughs) (laughs) they'll say what you really feel they made it into a film with Anne Hathaway and someone less famous and it's you're reading it aren't you it's like a it's a it's a book that was a Rich and Judy bestseller. Oh. And no, I don't think it was a Rich and Judy no. bestseller. Oprah Winfrey. It was on yeah, one of it's, it that's it's Oprah that Winfrey. Kind I think it was something slightly less respected than the Rich and Judy bestseller. Some of them are terrible, but some of them are very, brilliant. It was it was a film and it was like a big thing and it was in the book in the charity shop for one pound twenty five, so ah. I thought, well now might be the time. Yeah. And it is page turning, I am still reading it, but it's very bad right. Oh, page turning. Oh, so Da Vinci Code. Yeah. It was actually your posting on Facebook that made me look. I've never read The Da Vinci Code. Yeah. But I looked at all those terrible lines and I just got. Oh, that believe. one, yes. It is yeah. horrific writing, but at the same time, it's very gripping. Well, Jen was in the shop when she saw that Da Vinci Code thing. You came in and you were like, I can't believe. And I was like, well, yeah, but people like that book, so. Yeah. It's, it's a book, when I read it, I got very, very angry at it. Which is an irrational response, really, for a book that's pretty much harmless. You know, it's not like I was, um, you know, remember the Illuminati or Catholic or whatever. Yeah. But um, it made me so angry that somebody could write this badly and be so goddamn successful! But, yeah, at the same time... I kept reading it. I read the entire thing, you know, just on and off, several sittings, over a single evening. Yeah. Oh, well, an evening and the morning after. That's even more annoying. Well, when I... Actually, when I still lived in Lancaster, I wrote... I was writing this uh, story, very strange story, that I have to... Like, it's probably... You could say it's my third novel, but the other two are finished, and that one needs to be rewritten, and I haven't been bothered to do it. It had this kind of plot about romance novels and about kind of what we're sold through romance novels, I guess. Mm. So, um, But I read loads of Mills and Boone books um, because I had this idea I was going to write a Mills and Boone book within the book and it was yeah. going to be like... I was like, I'm just going to learn this system. I'm going to learn how to do it. And I read this book about how to write Mills and Boone books and I read loads of them and I practised and I tried to do it. And you know what? It's really hard. Yeah. Like, I can't write that... Badly. Uh, badly. That uninterestingly. Yeah. That uninterestingly. I can't write a sentence that has such boringness, banality into it. Yeah, I can't do it. I wanted to do it. I tried to do it. David Nichols. That's a step beyond. It's not a formulaic kind of blandness. It's just. It's just dire writing. (laughs) What's dire writing mean? Overdone. Like it's just if like if it was if it was a steak. It would be cremated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah. That, yeah. That, 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 that works. That does visualise it nicely, actually. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like Dan Brown to the extreme. 
because, uh, like I say, Dan Brown is readable. It's just he's well, yeah, no, so is that overall. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Maybe it's not completely cremated. But you don't have that thing that I suspect Richard has. I know I have it, which is that sometimes you can just get into a book even though you know it's kind of trashy. Yeah, and I definitely and have. It's that. one of the things you pick up from reading science fiction. I think. Yeah, sometimes I, you know the cover looks good or the blurb on the back yeah. looks good, but let's face it, it's all about oh right, excellent, and oh oh, yeah, oh that's nice to having sex. Okay, this science fiction author didn't get much, did he? Well, it's it's, it's like a popcorn movie, you know, like it's like yeah. the Avengers. Well, I guess that's what makes it page turning, yeah. and I am getting that. I'm just really annoyed. <laughs> you, you hate yourself for uh, liking it. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> well, I think, yeah. That's the Dan Brown experience. You hate yourself for loving it. Well, there we go. I wouldn't go for loving. No. You hate yourself I'm, for I'm tolerating it. One of the big things that Dan Brown did was, aside from, you know, being popular, he recycled all that niche, not necessarily science fiction, but sort of conspiracy theory stuff for the mainstream market. Mm-hmm. So he, he picked his market and he did it. He produced nothing new whatsoever. But everybody thought it was because well, they have read it before or not watched that episode of The X-Files. Just like Harry Potter. Essentially, yeah. I think. Mildred Hubble, the worst witch. Yeah, indeed, it's, it's the worst witch. It's it's uh, Star it's Wars, it's Tolkien. It's everything. I mean, the, 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 I've only read one of them. I only read the first one. Mm. Well, I'd say read Stephen Fry read it to me <laughs> one, uh, one hungover New Year. Um, was he hungover or were you? No, I was hungover. Ah. Uh, no, it'd be great if Stephen Fry came round my house and read me read me stories when he was hungover. But I think actually no, I think it was um, Boxing Day. It was Boxing Day. But but I just remember just thinking every single story that I know mm. from my childhood is just been absorbed through this. There's Tom Brown's School Days. There's t- there's Roald Dahl. There's there's yeah, very much the world worst witch is most definitely in there. There's and you there was that series that you were just that didn't make it big but was Jenny better. Nimmo, the Charlie Bone. Jenny Nimmo, yeah, Charlie Bone books. Um, but they, but J.K. Rowling, that wasn't bad writing. I mean, it no. was bland. The first book in particular bad. was very definitely first novel. Yeah. Uh, the second book was a lot better. In the middle of the series, she seemed to suffer because um, the editor stopped editing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, is there anything else you'd like to plug? World Peace? Can I plug World Peace? <laughs> you can plug Sorry, World Peace. Sorry, I'm not really that big on plugging stuff because that's the only way. No, that's all right. You can, but you can plug you can plug concepts as well. I mean, World Peace is a good one. I mean, is that something you think is achievable or just something no. you hope for? It's not achievable. But it's something we should aspire to, I guess. Something to aspire to. The last thing I ask people mm-hmm. to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Yeah, goodbye to the audience. <laughs> That's, I've got to sort of, I can't <laughs> phrase it in a different way. Can I in a less sort of cliche yeah. way? Um, how do I good say Good night it? from me and good night from him. <laughs> there we go. Good night, goodbye. So, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm very different now. One of the ways that I'm particularly different is that my circumstances are very different. Back then, I think I still had a part-time day job, which I enjoyed doing, and better living conditions and much better financial situation. So I was quite positive, really, about my position in the world then. Now I'm struggling pretty hard as a freelancer, struggling to make ends meet, which is not an endorsement of the idea of a tortured and struggling artist. It's just a difference in circumstances. These days, I think very differently and talk very differently about masculinity, feminism, mental health. I've also watched Game of Thrones 
seen all the Harry Potter films and changed many words that I use in everyday language, although some words are still works in progress. I'm sure my guests have had similar changes and their opinions and their views may be completely and entirely different. So please consider what you've listened to a time capsule rather than something current. It's really interesting from my point of view to hear a different version of me not so long ago a little bit like a an audio version of time hop which reminds me how different and how terrible and how wise and how all sorts of different things my past selves were in fragments of time as they posted on social media spending a little bit longer with myself makes it easier to judge me a little bit more balancedly i think uh, with the positives and the negatives rather than those moments in sharp relief that social media gives you so in many ways this was like a nicer version of time hop where you can see a more rounded nuanced vision of yourself you can find getting better acquainted on facebook and on twitter it's at gba podcast thanks very much for listening and remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted my partner Jen, who you heard in that episode, and me are making a new podcast. In January 2016, I discovered a mystery and decided to make a podcast about it. It's coming out in the autumn, and it's called The Family Tree. I can't explain it. I've gone through every possible explanation, and none of them are possible explanations. It's important to remember some sympathy, I think, at this point, because the mystery, the strangeness, with that mystery, with that strangeness, we, we might lose sight of the fact that there's human beings involved. Uh, it's very difficult to know where to start. So he had no arm. But the body had two. But the body had, had two. two. It can't have been the same body. What is your stake in this? What I know how to do is to talk to people that's the only way I can really think of, of, of approaching this mystery. I don't understand why everyone in the family is just being a bit strange about it. If ghosts do exist, I think they wouldn't look how they looked when they, when they died. They'd go back to how they looked in life, so, so Dad's ghost would have an arm. If everyone's running away in one direction, away from an injustice, he would run straight towards it. It doesn't feel right. The image you have of your parents at that age isn't yeah. necessarily the person that that person actually is. If you disappeared and then we found your body and it wasn't you. It says in this in this Metro story, the family declined to comment on the mystery. I mean, who's the dad or you'd spent so much time with if your dad is a body that can't be the dad that you grew up with? It doesn't make any sense. All of those years, was he dead or alive? They didn't know. Now they know that he was dead. But that's not answered the question. It's another question, right? You're asking a whole bunch of strangers really personal questions. And I know people have agreed, so that's that's fine. But then recording it, I don't know what your motives are. It's sort of a little bit creepy. The Family Tree Podcast dot co dot UK.